we've been doing a series called Common. Common. And last week we looked at Moses. Moses. And I don't know about you, but when I hear Moses, I don't hear Common. Uh, but that's the point of the series. These, these individuals in the Bible who maybe we see as uh, amazing individuals of faith, but then when we look at their stories, we see other things about them that maybe we weren't expecting. And so today we're going to be taking a look at Paul, the apostle, and I'm excited about that because we're going to see how Paul, too, in many ways, was very common. Now, um, I've got a picture here, and when I, when I show it to you, I want to tell you this is a picture that when I think about this, it's very frightening to me. So get ready for it. It's pretty frightening. This was a picture that showed me what it was like uh, to look, to be common growing up. Common. When I think of common, I think of this image. Okay? And the reason I do is because this image represents the fear of childhood to me. The fear of childhood. Uh, this, this image, this r big red ball was associated with four different games growing up. And the four games that, I, that terrified me the most probably, kickball, dodgeball, soccer, and four square. And one of the reasons it was so terrifying was because the games would change pretty sporadically. You'd be playing one, and then kids would say, okay, now we're playing that one. And you were expected to kind of excel in that. And I didn't often. I didn't often. And I learned very quickly that you're really expected to know the rules of the game you're playing. And if you don't, you will not look very good. And oftentimes, I didn't look very good. In fact, when I think about those four games, I, I could chart it out and say, I look pretty common in all four areas. Pretty common. But here's the thing, and, and something I didn't realize at the time that going back now, I realized very clearly was there was another game being played simultaneously. While we were playing those games out, on the, out on the, in the park or out in the playground, there was another game being played simultaneously, and that game was called Worth. And the game of Worth was a game that I also looked very common in. I didn't look so good in the game of worth. Uh, and when I say game here, and I'm going to use game a lot, I'm not saying that to say that these things are trivial. I'm saying that these things in life have winners and losers. And I was a loser. I'm not, I don't know if you could pick that up, but I was. I was. In the game of worth, I felt like a loser. And I learned in the game of worth that there are different games being played simultaneously. Games about talent and about dedication, about drive, and just looking good charm. And here's what I learned. You've got to know the rules of the game you're playing. And if you don't, you too will fail or come across common. And in all those four games that I was also playing... I was very common. I was very, very common. But here's what's really tricky and what makes it even worse. That game never ended. I mean, we were playing it in college and we were playing it in marriage. We were playing the game of worth all the time. 
And there are times I try to get out of the game of worth and say, I'm not going to play by those rules anymore. And I ended up still playing by the same set of rules. So I'd say, you know, uh, somebody doesn't like me and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't make them happy in the way I behave. So I'd put up a wall and I'd say, okay, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. But I'm really still playing by the same set of rules, which is essentially my value is found in what others think about me or what I think of myself, and that was my worth. And that's the thing about the game of worth that the whole world plays. The whole world plays the game of worth. And in the game of worth, value is based on human opinion. And here's what I learned as a kid, and I kept learning it as an adult. It's this, that worth was a game I would never win. I would never win. Because every time I thought I was winning that game, I found out I was losing that game. If I tried to get to the next level and become a winner, then I found out, well, I overshot it. Maybe like I dedicate my life to something, and then I found out, well, that's not really what you're supposed to be dedicating your life to. Or I, I focused really hard on something, and then I learned that, that that's, some people don't value that. And so in the end, the game of worth... I could never win. Well, you said we were talking about Paul, right? To say that Paul was common sounds like preacher talk to me. I've got to confess. It sounds like preacher talk. We're going to have a series on Paul, and, and he was common. And when I think about that, I think there's no way he was common. And the reason I feel that way is because in so many ways, Paul excelled at the game of worth. I imagine if Paul were playing out, on the, out on the, in the park or the playground, that he would do really, really well no matter what game they were playing. If they took the kickball and they said, hey, we're, you know, we're going to play kickball now or now we're going to play dodgeball, he would always excel. Because when I see him in his life doing the things that he did, he always excelled. It's just a fact. Paul always looked good. He did. And there were two categories in life, and once again, these are not games. They're just categories of life, but in the same way that like there are winners and losers, you could say, well, Paul was striving to win in these categories of life. And one of them was being a Jew, and the other one was being a Christian. In these two areas of life, I want you to know, Paul always excelled. He always excelled. And we have that in Scripture. The first place that we find this is in Philippians chapter 3. And it says this in Philippians chapter 3. If someone else thinks they have a reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews... In regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul says, I need you to know this. When it came to Judaism, I was the best. I was the best. Nobody could beat me as a Jew. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was like a Pharisee and how dedicated I was. I had this amazing zeal, so much so, if you were a Christian, I would kill you. Paul, or Saul, as he was called at the time, he hit all the markers. He was amazing. 
And that's what I want you to see. When it came to Judaism, Paul was amazing. But then there was Christianity. Remember, he converted to Christianity. And when it came to Christianity, Paul excelled. He was amazing there as well. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day at the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger of rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger from, the, from the, my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have gone, often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concerns for all the churches. Here Paul says, look, when it comes to Christianity, nobody can beat me. I'm the best. I'm the best. This is like the list of what you want your missionaries to look like. Like he excels at everything. This guy would go, he would fall on his sword for the church. This man would go the distance for people, for others, for Christ. And so he lays it out twice really thick. And he says, when it came to Christianity, just like Judaism, I was amazing. I was amazing. And so we come back to this series about common and we go, well, Paul wasn't common. Paul wasn't common. He excelled at everything. And everything he did, he excelled. But here's the thing. Even though Paul excelled, in so many ways, Paul failed. When you think about Paul's life, I want you to think about all the ways he failed. Just like we do. In fact, it gets me to thinking about how when sometimes when we think we have the game of life figured out, it turns around and it bites us. There's times in our lives that we believe we have things figured out. We got this figured out. I've got, I've got my relationships figured out. And then I'm working on my relationships and I'm investing them, but I miss my relationship with my kids. Or I, I, I figure out work. I finally figured out money. Like I finally figured out, I got money figured out. But I miss time over here. Time. I neglect time. So I come over here and I figure out relaxation. I finally figured out relaxation. And then the preaching team demands 21 minutes times three a day. And I'm going through it. I'm like, what, what are they doing to me? Every time I think I get something figured out, I get thrown this curveball. I come in, I feel good about life, and I, I sit down with, with, with the congregation, and then they hit me with something else. Or I'm, talk, I'm talking to my spouse, and I feel good, and all of a sudden I realize that things aren't as good as I thought. And, and life just keeps hitting me as I thought it was common, or I, th I thought maybe even I was excelling, and I found out that I'm failing. 
When it came to being a Jew and being a Christian, Paul was amazing. But then you get to thinking about as a Jew, here's the crazy thing. Paul had completely missed the whole point. Like, yeah, he, he, he was very fervent and zealous, but he was also killing Christians. That's not being a healthy Jew. That's not being faithful to God. In fact, Jesus rebuked him. You're persecuting me. Why do you kick against the goads? Saul, why are you going against me? In his attempts to be justified as good and righteous, he, he failed epically. Well, then what about Christianity? Surely we can look at Christianity and say, that's what he's supposed to look like. But do you remember all the weakness in Paul? Do you remember all the failings that were evident to all? I think about Paul as he was a missionary. Remember he couldn't get along with his co-workers? Remember that? One of the boys on the team, John Mark, his, his intern, his men, mentoree, ran off and it started a division between him and Barnabas. Barnabas, the guy who'd been there for Paul when nobody else would. And now here they're having a conflict and Mark is gone and Paul just kind of writes off that relationship. He writes off a relationship with the one who would write the gospel of Mark. Paul is so driven, but at the same time you see his doubts. He's writing letters and he's saying, bring me a blanket. I'm cold. I need some books. I need something to read. Everybody's abandoned me. He wrote letters to the churches rebuking the behavior of the congregations, the individuals. Do you think there was ever a time that he wrote a letter and some of the recipients thought to themselves, that hypocrite, we remember when he was killing Christians. Do you think he ever, could he have ever preached a sermon in the back of the auditorium was, was, a, was a mom with, without her son or a widow without her husband because of this man who was preaching? Is that possible? He had dreams. I'm going to go to Spain and I'm going to preach. That's my dream. That's what I intend to do. No, you're going to go to prison. And you're going to be cold and alone. And you're going to write. He had conflicts. I desire to be with God in heaven. I want to be taken from this life, and I know I need to stay here, and I'm just torn inside of me. He talked about life struggles, maybe the life he had lived in the past. There's things I want to do and I don't do, and things I do want to do, and I, you know, things I, I desire and I don't do them, and conflict. He had health issues. He had a thorn in the flesh. He was a weak man. Paul looked weak. He said these words, I don't come to you with wise words. I come to you in weakness and fear and in trembling. By human standards, Paul failed. At the end of his life, this man died with nothing. 
And by human standards, it looked like failure. But here's the thing. In the game of worth, God has a different set of rules. Rules that were established by Jesus. You see, the way that we view value and worth are not the ways that God views value and worth. And so Paul, as he thought about his life, real life, it's not the way the world sees it. It's the way God sees it. He says this, I didn't come to you with brilliance of speech. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Whatever is to my gain, I count it rubbish. Philippians chapter 3. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I I might gain Christ. To be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection of Christ. Here's the thing. I know who I am. I know I have a really good list. But if you could see it all, it's pretty ugly. And so Paul turns to Timothy, his mentoree, and he says this. Here's a trustworthy saying. Jesus Christ came to die for sinners of whom I am the worst. Why is Paul saying that? Because he knows who he really is. I know my problems, and I know my need for a Savior. As a Christian, Paul didn't play by the rules of the world. As a Christian, he didn't play by the rules of the world. And in the game of worth, Paul focused on the worthiness of Jesus. He looked at the world and the game that everybody was playing. If you want to be seen as valuable, you got to make other people like you. you got to like yourself. And Paul looked at that and said, instead of playing that game, I'm just going to think God is valuable. I'm going to exalt God. And I'm going to let God determine who I am. And that became his new system of life. His new approach. Paul knew that only God can make one worthy. He knew that. Only God can make one worthy worthy. Well, I got to tell you, this is a message that resonates with me today. It resonates with me. And the reason it does is because so many times we try to make people accept us based on what we do and how we behave and the ways we function. And at the end of the day, it's maddening. It's maddening. So Paul comes back in and he says, look, Who I am is based on God. Plain and simple. There's a really neat story in the Bible in Acts chapter 14. If you want to turn there with me, Acts chapter 14. We have a story of Paul doing some pretty amazing things. But what's happening is so reverse of what any one of us would want to do. And in the story... Paul looks 
amazing. But he looks completely different than the rest of the world. And it doesn't make sense. Listen to what happens. Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 8. Now, Elisha, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth, and he had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he sprang up, and he began to walk. Verse 11. And when the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So here Paul is, imagine this story. They're talking, they see a man who can't walk. Paul sees his faith. God uses Paul miraculously and now the man can walk and the crowd goes wild. They love him, they love him. And they respond and they say, you're a God, we love you. You're a God. They want to exalt him. They want to lift him up. The text goes on, verse 13. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowd. They want to offer sacrifices to Paul. He's loved. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out in the crowd crying out, Man, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. Verse 18, listen to this. Even with those words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. Here Paul is, he's talking to them, he does this miracle, and they say he's a god, and they start to worship him. And here's Paul's response. He rips his clothing, and he cries out, don't worship me, whatever you do, don't worship me. But they, couldn't, they could barely stop him. Here's a question. What kind of a person, when they're being honored, what kind of a person when they're being exalted, what kind of a person when they're being complimented turns it down? They love Paul. And you know what Paul's response is? He rips his clothes. I can't, I can't take this. We can't do this. This is wrong. He rips his clothes. Now listen to the next verse. It's so funny. Verse 19, listen. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. And dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. So the crowd suddenly turns. You know what? People do that. People do that. They love you one second, and they hate you the next. Haven't you experienced that in life? Haven't you seen that? Where one second everybody likes you because you're on their page, and then you're off their page, and they don't like you? And what do we do? We try to build these lists to make people like us. And then they reject us, and we don't understand why. So here's Paul. Paul's there, and they love him. But all of a sudden, they hate him. And what do they do? They go to stone him. But look at the next verse. Verse 20. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose back, and what did he do? Goes back in the city. So they love him, and he rips his clothes, and he runs away. 
They hate him, and he goes back in. How do you make sense of that? How do you make sense? How did Paul do it? How did Paul do it? In fact, the text goes on and he says this, verse 20. Um, on the next day, he went with Barabbas to Der- or Barnabas excuse me, to Derby, And when they had preached the gospel to the city, he made many disciples. And they returned to Lystra. And there they raise up elders. He keeps going back. He loves this town, the town that rejected him. This is so opposite people. When people are loved, you say thank you. You appreciate, you soak it up. When people hate you, you walk away. Paul does the opposite. We ask the question, how did he do that? How did he develop that skill set? And it's so strange to me that he would be this, this kind of a person. Did he read a book to teach him how to do this? Did he read a book to teach him how to, you know, how to lose friends and still influence people or, you know, the seven habits of highly effective apostles or what, you know, what was he reading? And I look at Paul and I'm like, how did you become the kind of guy who doesn't care what people think about you? And here's the answer. And it's crazy. He didn't. He didn't become the kind of person who doesn't care what people think of him. He just changed his value system. He just changed the rules of the game he was playing. He was no longer playing the game where if you don't like me, then I'm worthless. And if you like me, then I'm valuable. He played the game that said this, or played by the rules that said this, I value God more than anything else. I value God more than anything else. And so if you come and you call me God, I value God. I can't accept that. But if you try to stand in the way of me doing God's work, I can't accept that either. Paul didn't learn some system or read some book to become this great man who knew how to handle situations. Like we do, when people don't like us, we read books to try to figure out how to handle it. But here's the thing we don't realize. We're still playing by the same set of rules. Their rules. Paul read a book that said there's a different set of rules. Here's what the set of rules say. No matter what anybody thinks about you, you are good because you are created in the image of God and he died for you to redeem you. That's who you are. And Paul had confidence in that. When I look at Paul in this story, I see a common person who didn't look common because God was his God. I see a common person who didn't look common because God was his God. But I got to tell you this about us. That can be true with us as well. You can be a common person Just like Paul, with all the failings and with all the struggles and with all the lists to say you're good and still critics saying you're bad and you can look amazing, not because you figure out the formula or you figure out how to say the right thing at the right time or how to have the nicest clothes or the best best response or all of that, you can do it, and all you have to do 
is shift your value system that God is what matters. That's it. That's it. There's no trick. There's no secret formula. All you do is you start playing by his rules. God determines my worth. That's it. And even if they hate me, God determines my worth. And even if they love me, God determines my worth. And when you play by that set of rules, I want you to know this, you will look uncommon too. You will. I imagine that for some people, this message is going to hit you right between the eyes. Because it hits me right between the eyes. Have you struggled with what people thought of you? Have you struggled to be enough? Have you struggled to be worthy? Have you done what you tried to do so people would accept you? Can I say this to you? You have a God who already loves you. Who already sees you as so good. He wants to redeem you. He wants to change you and transform you. He invites you to salvation, to belong to him. He says, come to the waters of baptism and I will make you new. I will renew you. He says, I want you to be called by what I call you. So the message today is clear and it's easy. It's this, let God define you. Let God define you. Find worth in him. Let's pray together. Father God, we want to find our worth in you. We desire to know you, to be called to you, and Father, to see that our value is found in nothing less than you, Father. You are so good, and we love you, and we trust you, and we submit to you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. If you need anything from this body, we are here to serve you today. Won't you come now as we stand and as we sing together?